Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go over to the hyperclean specialist group there in Facebook. Great place to be a part. A lot of the stuff today we're going to talk about what ifs, things that people were questioning and things going inside of the specialist group. So definitely go be a part of it there. Nick, it's, it's a great day here at HQ. You called it out. We're so excited. Not only love it, Billy posted inside of the group, not only have, have we, you know, scaled out of just Fruity Pebbles gang, we now into tacos, Fruity Pebble tacos inside of the Fruity Pebbles gang. And it, I get it five minutes into this episode. If you're leaving, all good. But Pumpkin Ale is really one oh, of our official God. favorite beers. It is, right? I mean, pumpkin's kind of like a sister to being a fruit. We're all in. And if people remember, Kevin had sent me, uh, and Kevin gave me a bunch of, from my favorite pumpkin, it comes from Shipyard. And uh, so not only are we having some pumpkin ale today, Nick, oh, but no. Kevin, if oh, he man. shipped me a rimmer. Rimmer of pumpkin and spice. I rest that my I, case. I rest I, my case. Oh my god, I'm speechless. Early, like we I mean, we got to stop this madness. Like, are you guys getting pumpkin spice lattes too? I mean, what what do you guys do in this group? Where do you draw a line? Yeah, no pumpkin spice lattes, but the rimmer I mean, around. What's, what's the difference at this point? What's the difference? I mean. How quickly are you getting yoga pants and Lululemon yoga pants? I mean, it just seems like this is this is where we're at now. I mean, the Fruity Pebbles gang, you, you guys, I mean, for all of you we're out growing. there listening, I can't believe this. This is just have, can you have a Miller Lite, you know, something? I mean, just something normal, yingling? I mean, whatever. I mean, just we're something out. normal. We're out. Apparently, I we're mean, you, you guys are definitely out. The pumpkin we're... spice latte group now uh buy and sell i'm gonna go ahead and start today because i think you need a break after rimming your glass to drink a beer i mean this is a new low for the podcast but uh anyway we're gonna go (laughs) for those not watching on camera marty can't stop laughing because he knows i'm right but anyway uh number one marty and i with matching t-shirts so you know there we go uh, here's here's what I got today. So Ferrari historically has some models that the interior starts to get real sticky as it ages. It gets like this this film, like, you know, when you touch the buttons, you touch the dash. Well, Ferrari thought in their infinite wisdom to use this like rubberized type of coating on top of their interiors. And as it ages, as it gets some sun, as it gets some heat, it gets like this real sticky, like almost like tree sap feel to it. And so we can usually fix it for clients, but this client was like, Hey, I got an F430 spider. The price on these is going up. I'm thinking I maybe want to sell it. I'm not sure. I mean, literally, I think he's put like a hundred miles on it in 10 years. Like the only people that drive us drive it is us. And so I said, okay, well, we can fix that. He's like, "Ah, I just think I'd rather buy the window buttons, you know, two window buttons that are in the center console to roll the windows down. I said, okay, we'll order them. Not even installed, $2,800. We did the installation because I've done a bunch of them. 
And he looks at the bill and he goes, wow, I maybe should have just had you clean up those buttons. I said, yeah, it turns out Ferrari is pretty expensive. And as the F430 has gone up in price, magically the buttons cost more. The same buttons they've probably had in the factory for 8,000 years now in a box, $2,800. So here's what I'm buying. When you have a captive audience that needs you to fix something, you can just charge whatever you want. The price isn't even related to anything. Like, it's just like, ah, oh, these two buttons, uh, 2,800 bucks, probably 52 cents altogether to build those two things. That's a hell of a profit margin. So I think we all can learn something from Ferrari. It's nice to have something that costs you 50 cents to make to, to fix your screw up that you made for everybody. So I just thought that'd be an interesting thing to share. And it's always amazing to see the prices that these exotic cars get for little things that if you had it done on a Nissan or on a Ford or whatever, and you just bought the buttons, it'd be like $2. So yeah, that's my buy of the day. Yeah, I'm out. I think yeah, I would sell. Yeah, that's that's pricey. Or just have us fix them like we told him. I said, dude, we can fix this. He's like, yeah, but it'll come back. I'm like, no, it won't come back. Well, we can fix it. We've done a lot of them. Ah, just buy the buttons. Okay. You know better. You know, I do know better. You're right. This this Sam Adams Jacko pumpkin ale is what I'm sipping on today, and it's quite delicious. It is. It's absolutely wow. amazing. I'm in. Here's what I'm selling. <laughs> Guy's not drinking a beer. <laughs> drinking a latte beer. All right, I'm buying this week and I'm buying we we've all had hopefully these moments where we've seen games come down to a wire and then you get to see somebody take that winning shot or you know hit the winning hit whatever, right? They they do the action that gets the win. Those moments are right that's those are awesome. You sent me a video, right? Which is super cool. We got to see yeah. somebody hit a grand slam. I, that was incredible. Yeah, in the playoffs. My buddy. Yeah. My buddy. Good, good for him, man. I'm happy for him. Right. And those moments that you, you get to have in all these different athletic events and everything you get to go on, you're like, it's just seeing it and just being it. And then, cause I never really got to have with my daughters. I don't remember them taking a winning shot or, or yeah. getting those winning moments. But we had this weekend, right? it was a whoo, two to two rough go out there, right? Like two to two, we're playing a soccer and it's two to two and it comes down to the final minute and we get the winning goal, right? Drive around, go. shoot, it goes in, right? And we as a family, we get to celebrate because it's my stepson. And you go, yeah, like, wow. These are the times that you're in it. Like you, you can see it professionally, but then to have them, where does he go from here? Once somebody's tasted that, right? Yeah, like, man. where does he go? So I'm buying it. Especially I'm excited. Especially if you had them to win on the money line. I mean, now you can cash a ticket with the fellow parent, you know. I mean, you got to bet on youth soccer, right? Like, what else do you do at these games? I'd have to bet somebody something. Like, hey, can we have a bet? I mean, I got, I got to make this exciting. This is wild. I can't just sit here and watch these guys run around in a circle all day. We're going to have to put some money on this thing. I used to bet against them, actually. <laughs> I took a lot if, of tickets against them. If people them. have heard the jokes of the years, right? Like, we were in indoor soccer, and it was this all recreational stuff, and it was just – we were actually – I won bets – I, w I did what, the uh, the Pete Rose style and bet against oh, yeah. the team? <laughs> yeah. I swear I didn't bet against my team. Now, that look, that's sacrilege. I'm a Reds guy, so you better watch it with the Pete Rose jokes because it's like a real touchy subject where I grew up. I mean, he's, it's like Pete Rose country where I grew up. So it's like a weird thing. But, yeah, you know, you mentioned my buddy hit a grand slam in the playoffs, and 
got over a hundred million social media views and it was, uh, you're happy when you see that stuff, right? It's a really cool uh, thing to, to, to see people get a shot and, and, and take it because look, man, you miss a lot of them, right? I mean, you strike out more than you hit them out, but when you hit them out, man, it's really cool when you score that goal or whatever, that shit's great. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into some what to do's. That's what I'm calling them. Because I seem to see a, quite a few questions of what to do with this, what to do when I see this, how do I, right? So yep. let's get into some of those, and some of them are inside the specialist group. A couple of them I found from outside. So Joshua wanted to know, because he's got, and this is, love it, got his order, is excited and ready to go, and he's curious about temperature changes, getting into the fall, I'm sure everybody, there was also a question inside the special group about hoodies, Listen, hoodie season is here. Hoodie yeah. season is here. Officially, I have no more shorts. I've got two doors still on the Jeep that are off, two doors that are on. That hoodie is here. I've got the hoodie on as I drive down. It's ready, and I think we're getting ready for hoodies here at HyperClean, right? Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're people need to understand, to buy the stuff any of us would want to wear, stock is still pretty short. I mean, you're having to order a sample from a local company. I think we're still waiting on that. Uh, we're trying our best, but we don't want to just do stuff to do it. You know, we want to make stuff nice that guys actually want to wear. And look, man, everything that's nice is is still kind of a stock problem. And we find this a lot with nice hats or or nice T-shirts that we're having to work around the stock. And and uh, so we're doing the best that we can. Obviously, uh, we want them for ourselves as well as being able to sell them to, to all of you and get you guys outfitted in them. But Marty, as you know, man, it's just it's just hard. I mean, stock is really limited on the things you want. It's not just stock; it's also working with companies. Oh, dude, just, We're, you just joked not. about us wearing shirts, but our shirts are not the exact same shirt, and the shirts aren't really what we wanted on with the design flaw. And it's like, hey, you know, it's it's not just a, not just stock. You know, we've we've had some troubles just working with people to get results. Uh, but so his question, not only yeah, I mean, as the temperature changes, like where does then the application of ceramic coatings change? What does that flash window look like moving into fall, especially if you're in the Northeast and anywhere through the Midwest? If you've had humidity, uh, you love these times going then oh, yeah. into fall, winter through the South, like. People that get their humidity reduced down means that they get a better working window with the coatings. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, all the way, I mean, we've applied most of our coatings all the way down to 33, 34 degrees probably. Mm -hmm. I could probably go a little lower. Uh, you know, obviously you don't want it to freeze immediately, you know, that kind of thing. So that that's that's going to be a problem if you get really cold. But honestly, you just get so much working time, especially for things like Uno and Dose. Uh, you get a massive, massive. I mean, out here, because we have no humidity, but the heat gets really bad. This time of year, like I can do probably three or four panels, maybe five panels with Uno, you know, during this time as it starts to cool down. I'm guessing there in Oklahoma, you're probably, what, two or three panels with Uno during the fall, winter time. Uh, you just get a longer working time. And so you keep your eye on it. The one thing you don't want to do is is wipe it off too quickly. That's what we find a lot of guys might do in the fall and the wintertime is actually wipe it a little too quick. You still need to let it sweat. And so if it just takes longer to sweat, just do another panel, right? Adjust your process to the temperature 
And that's actually what has always happened since I've been using ceramics 13 plus years now is that you just have to adjust a little bit. But this time of year is adjustment in a good way. You can actually get more done uh, much quicker usually this time of year. Yeah. All right. Full PPF. Okay. That's Martin put a uh, tray did his first install, did a great job. Wasn't asking, but it's a question that we always see. We remind ourselves about every couple months here is what to do if I'm putting ceramic coating on PPF. Number one, you've always said is heavy, thick, yes. thick, heavy. What should we not do? Like if I've got any concerns of what not to do on. Don't, don't lay it on thin. Remember a lot of modern, well, all PPF has always had some type of top coat on it. Now you have more robust top coats. You need to really understand what you're doing. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. And, and it's just like trim. You want to lay trim on a little heavier than paint. PPF, the same thing, right? You want to lay it on a little bit heavier. And the reason you want to lay it on a bit heavier is the pores are a little bit tighter. You have uh, a top coat that you, you are battling with. And so you want to give it the best opportunity to soak into every little pore that it can get into. And the best way to do that is to lay it on a little bit thicker. We would advise people that you should be laying it on the paint very thick. I know guys do it their way, but the reason you lay coatings on thick is because you want to give it the best opportunity, not only to bond, but to get into all the little surface, you know, pores on anything that you're trying to coat. And the more that's on there, the more active ingredient or solid, so to speak, that are on the surface, the better it is for you. You know, the more robust that the coating is going to be. And so the only time guys would really run into trouble on PPF is laying it on thin. You'll start to see it flash a little bit quicker. Guys will kind of get behind. They'll, they'll kind of, you know, battle a little bit with their towel work. PPF is a super easy install. If you just lay it on thick, pay attention, it should be a breeze, really. And I mean, things like Trey, things like Sparta, things like Uno, super easy to deal with on PPF. All right, cool. Well, as I pour myself another of these fabulous oh, beers, Jesus. they're so amazing. Uh, I'd, it's actually, I enjoy the, the little sweetness to them, right? A little sweetness to the well, beer. I'm sure you do. I mean, you know, you like, you, you, know, you, you like Starburst for your, you know, beers. I get it. Okay. So Matthew posted and he had this like stain that was on the paint underneath the clear coat, right? Like, I just want to ask the general question. What do we do if we see a random kind of like darker, it's almost like a shadow. We can yep. have it on lights. We can look around and we see something underneath and it doesn't really quite come out. We can rub on it. We can, we can even put some compound on it. It just doesn't come out. What do we do? Yeah. I mean, look, this is all about what you're comfortable doing. It's all about the, the paint you're working on, the thing, the surface you're looking at at that time. And, and guys need to realize there's sometimes you're going to call it quits. And there's sometimes that these things are going to come out. Largely, most of this stuff comes out. You know, it could be a surface thing. It could be, you know, something. But look, I mean, you could take this all the way to sanding. If you feel comfortable sanding, you may have to sand some of these spots. I mean, you know, it's hard to tell from a picture of what's going on, right? It's very, very difficult. And I appreciate his post, but I also want to say it's hard for us not being there, not seeing it to actually know what's going on. So first thing you would try to do is get it off chemically, you know, some type of, uh, you know, acetone or something of that line, citral 266 or whatever, to see if it's just something on the surface. If it isn't, you got to start polishing. 
Then if that doesn't work, you got to go to compound. Then you got to go to sanding if you're comfortable with it. I know a lot of guys aren't comfortable with that, so don't do it. You know, I think guys just need to understand what their skill set is. Well, and how do we know if it's in the clear or if it's in the paint? Well, honestly, you don't know till you start cutting on it, to be, to be fair. I mean, the only way to assess where it is is to start polishing on it. You know, that'll tell you pretty quickly, right? You just don't know until you start cutting on the car. And this is the thing that's so tough about paint correction sometimes, right? I mean, we may run up against a really hard clear coat that we thought was going to be very easy to work with. You've run into this in your career and you're like, oh, this will only take me, you know, three or four hours. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, dude, I mean, I got to really hack on this thing to correct something. So it's like anything with paint. You really don't know till you take a, a machine to it, right? Or you try to get it off with a chemical. And so, again, you're going to try to get it off with a chemical. Then you're going to polish. If that doesn't work, you're going to go down to a compound, microfiber, cutting pad, rotary, wool, whatever it is you're comfortable with. And then you're going to go to sanding. And that's when you're going to identify if I have a problem that's, that's, that's you know, right on top of the clear or I got to remove some of the clear. Or maybe I, I go, okay, I've done a lot here. I got to stop. This is really something much deeper. You're not going to really know till you put some action on that thing and figure it out. Okay. But, you know, the, the risk is, right, going too far, trying to oh, chase yeah. something that we're not sure – is there ever, do I, do I ever take a look and whether I'm, you know, somebody that just trying to do this on my own, I, I'm trying to take care of my cars or, you know, listen, that's what I love about Wes on a regular basis, being yeah. active in the group because he takes care of his cars to an elite level, but he also has some buddies that know, and I think there's a lot of people out there that are that way, you know, like they take care of their cars, but they also have people that want yeah, them customer. to take care. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, if, and if I see this kind of shadowy look, do I just, I would think that I would just kind of start to tell somebody, Hey man, you got something here. I can maybe, but yeah. this is, should be, I, I always feel these are the moments I should send this away as, as fast as possible. And I, I feel yeah. like I really shouldn't try and chase something like this. Yeah. It depends on what level you're detailing right? It depends on your comfort level. This is where we go back to one of the greatest things you'll ever do in your career is know your limitations. Know things that are going to put you in a bad spot. And it's, that's just not my thing, right? We've all taken jobs we shouldn't have taken. We've all done things. I mean, look, you and I discuss this all the time. You really haven't polished a lot of cars if you haven't burnt some paint, if you haven't made a mistake, if you haven't gone too far. Everyone's gone too far. The only thing you do looking back is saying, well, I kind of knew I should have stopped. What was I thinking? Right. So it may take that kind of mistake to wake you up. I mean, you and I've burnt plenty of paint in our career. You're not, you're, you're definitely not polishing a lot of paint if you don't make a mistake, but you also got to understand if I've charged somebody $2,500 to do a Sparta install, they're going to expect that to come out. So yeah, you need to inform them that there's a problem, but that's after you've probably done enough to, tr to, to say, hey, I have to stop here. I've done everything I can do, everything in my power. This is something out of my realm of expertise, and I don't feel comfortable doing it anymore and, and because something bad might ha happen. And there, that is not a harmful call to make. I mean, it sucks. It kind of hits your ego a little bit. But as you kind of do this more, you're like, there's, like you said, there's just times to step away. There's just times to say, hey, this isn't for, for me, and I don't want to put your car in a bad spot. Yeah. All right, so this was an interesting from Sean, who it's 
I, let's go in through and explain what we're seeing. I love the way he described it, and it was fish scale half circles. So if we, if what do we do if we look down and we see on the paint? Now these are water spot type looks because yeah. they 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 have this ring around them, but then down more of the bottom, it's heavier where the minerals, there would have been some type of slope or something that made the minerals move down into this one section. But then when it dries, those minerals leave and it does look like fish scales. And it was like, wow, that's a great way of explaining it. What do we do? Yeah. I mean, here's the first thing you got to do. You got to take something like uh, a high quality water spot remover, which are very few of those. You got to go with the full vinegar treatment. You got to go with some wheel acid, dilute it down a little bit. You got to try those things first, right? You got to fast as possible. Yeah. And as fast as possible. And you, you got to try those things because this could be just surface minerals that look ugly. Right. And, and things that I just described can break those down pretty readily. The issue with water spots, if anybody's ever battled them, is very rarely, by the time a detailer is seeing it, is it just surface level, right? And now you're talking about heat cycling paint. You're talking about some real high-level stuff. Most guys don't understand that that you got to heat cycle the paint, meaning you either got to take it outside and allow it to, to kind of swell a little bit, and see how these things are reacting. Cause sometimes what'll happen is guys will polish it inside a garage or a shop. They'll swell the paint during polishing and it'll look like you removed the water spots. Then it'll kind of come back down and guess what'll happen. You'll be like, all oh, the water spots are still there. You've had that. Ha- everybody's had that happen. And so actually if you're trying to polish off water spots, what I mean, you come should on, be the trying to do that, is the first times that that happened, right. Oh, you're so mad. Right? Like, so mad. what the? F- huh? Like, yeah, so mad. The, the thing that I tell people on water spots that I realized is you got to find a combination in your compound and, and cutting stage that you can do in very quick passes. That's why guys with rotary probably win a lot with water spotting is because you can keep the panel much cooler with a rotary than a DA. And so one of the things that you have to actively try to do in this whole thing is keep the panel as cool as you can if you have to go into the cutting phase, the polishing phase, things like that. Because if that if that panel swells, it is going to hide these. You're going to send the car back, maybe with a coating on it, right? Because you corrected and coated it. Then all of a sudden, it's going to look, they look like there's water spots on your coating. And I got some bad news for you. They aren't. They're underneath. So... Water spot removal is something that you need to take very seriously. And look, for for most guys that have polished a long time, they know this information. I know a lot of guys are new to this. Water spots are something you need to be very, very careful that you have correct. So what I would say is you need to polish the car, polish the hood, let's say, compound the hood, whatever step you're going to do. Then you need to let it cool down before you do anything right? Before you even put a coating on, you need to let this get back to really cool temperature and you need to see if this stuff is coming back. Pull it out back out into the sun and see if you can see those things reappear. Okay. So Dave had water spots on chrome pieces, right? So let's think about chrome. There's the little trim pieces. I, I know I saw this a ton. Mercedes, that, that, that soft metal that's right there. Now, here's the other interesting part is all the different manufacturers now have this f- 
faux type of chrome that they're putting yeah, out. Yeah, it's just plastic. Just plastic. plastic. So I got to think, first of all, if I'm seeing water spots on chrome, the number one, the first thing I need to do is basically understand the make and model, understand then who puts on real and who puts on fake. Yeah, so they all put on fake at this point. At this point now, everything is fake. It doesn't matter. Pretty close. I mean, maybe you could get into some Bentley models. Maybe you could get in. I mean, you maybe could get into a couple manufacturers, but you got to assume that it's all chrome-plated plastic type stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty cheaply made, very readily available. It'd be very rare. I'm trying to think in my head here. It'd be very rare to have real chrome at this point. Okay. Except for like, you know, a custom build or something like that. But like car manufacturers would be pretty rare. So pre-what? Maybe pre-2010, 2015? Yeah, it'd be a while. I mean, it'd be a long time ago. I mean, it, very rarely would you come across it. Like guys, and you, by the way, you'll know. It'll feel different. It'll feel heavy duty. It won't feel plasticky. You'll know by the feel. Okay, you know a plastic piece versus real metal. It, it, it would be pretty rare guys would come across real chrome consistent. I mean, maybe once in a while you'll come across something. So, you know, this is very easy to deal with. That's the great I think, news. I think maybe one easy way is that you – you used to snag on those. I did. There's always oh, yeah. that little bit on some of the and edges, and especially always. as it got over in the ages now. Like yeah. that is one way to understand. <laughs> yeah, just go to a corner and see how sharp it is. I mean, mm -hmm. if it's like it'll cut my finger, you can bet that that's metal. Uh, so this is easy to deal with. You're right back in the wheel acid, you know, world. It should clean that stuff up pretty quickly. I mean, very okay, rarely. So hold you, on. Yeah. Let's say I've got a Nissan that has yep. that faux chrome. Yep. You've got them down the bottoms. You've got them by the windows. you got them all over yep. the place. You're saying yep. I grab wheel acid and start putting it on there? Yeah. I mean, you can dilute some wheel acid. You know, um, I think Meguiar's, and I don't know if they're even making it anymore, but they had a wheel acid you could dilute. You know, you need something with some acidity. You could also go back to full-scale vinegar. I mean, you could try a few things, but it should come off pretty easily. Uh, that stuff is 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 not really that porous, so it usually stays surface level. If it's worse than that, then just grab some kind of polish. Uh, you can even use a rag uh, if you don't have a polisher, but most guys listening to us have a polisher. Grab a little three-inch polisher, man, and go to work. It'll come out pretty easily. It should come out pretty good. I mean, it should. It should. Uh, unless it's severely damaged and neglected, you know, in those rare cases. But this is kind of those things that clean up pretty easily in my experience. All right. So for everybody that hasn't listened to the the last deep dive, it was a really great deep dive. I talked to one of our, our new distributors that he loved it, right? He even specifically talked because he's been selling a lot of Fuego up there in Kansas City. And so he was sending people to learn about Fuego using this deep dive he really enjoyed it but so wayne talked about how fuego did magic on rust on plastics we yeah. didn't talk about plastics on side of that deep dive but wow yeah. what a cool post what a cool example yeah, of people need to go check that out too i mean like like you said they must have had a brake failure or something with this amount of iron down on the bottom of that that car they had some severe brake issues uh, if they didn't, boy, they hopefully this helped them catch it because there's something going on there. Uh, but again, that's the that's the positive of pH neutral. 
right? That's the positive of it. It's, it's very, very, very effective at putting it all over the car, as we said on the deep dive. And so here he is. He's got this Jeep. It's got this plastic on the bottom. He's able to spray it. He's able to feel confident. We keep going back to the, that word safe. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that don't value that word enough in detailing safe. And I mean, if people haven't seen that post, it's crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. it, that it, it just kind of ate away all that iron decon probably allowed him to really restore that trim and make it look great uh, in a real way, right? Like that stuff matters when you're trying to restore plastics and make them look good. All that embedded contamination is not going to have that trim pop in the way it should. Well, I just didn't, I'll take that from me. I just didn't really think of deconning and plastics. It wasn't something we talked about, but I did see a post and I did see somebody talking about where they have and we examined so people can go listen to the, should you use a iron decon as a clay lube? But I saw somebody that made a post using iron decon clay and then they were curious of why these plastics had these different colors to it now. And I go, huh. wow, never thought of that. Never thought that using an acidic, which we, we go and dive into, how companies are using acidic iron removers, and then it's messing up plastic because they're using it as a clay lube. Like, Well, not only that, you know, you start to clay and you think you can clay everywhere. He could have marked up the, the plastics with his clay. You know, he could have just thought I could spray this anywhere. You don't know what was causing the issue on those plastics. Again, guys, this is where it goes back to using the right product is going to save you a million times out of a million. Using the wrong product is going to put you in the danger zone. You may get away with it for a while, but sooner or later it's going to. We see this all over interiors, exteriors. We're seeing all these people talk about how trim is being ruined on cars. You're bringing up another one with iron removers. Hey, look. I'd just rather pay the money to be safe. I'd rather pay the money to have a properly formulated chemical. If you want to chance it, man, this guy chanced it and it burnt him. And what if that customer's like, I want the plastics replaced? Not only is he losing out on that detail, this could put him underwater several thousands of dollars. I mean, you don't know his financial situation. And so for all those people that think this is kind of beating a dead horse, it really isn't because all over the internet, we see burnt interiors, burnt wheels, burnt plastics, burnt this, burnt. And it's like, guys, you don't have to go through this. You just don't. All right. So we've seen people struggle, which we've talked about. And there was plenty of people discussing. If you struggle with lint on windows, you struggle with lint somewhere, like things that need to be done when you have lint, uh, most people are going to say, you know, wash your towels separately, get new towels. A lot of people that say, well, I did that right. This is usually an interesting thing of what to do if I'm seeing lint coming, you know, onto windows. Hey, I'm going to say, I'm going to say switch your glass cleaner, right? Like yep. <laughs> that's a big reason why we developed HyperClean glass cleaner the way we did. Yeah, no, I, I think, first of all, this is the importance of lubrication in your glass cleaner. It's one of the reasons that we added a small, tiny protection element to ours is it gave us some lubricity so the towels wouldn't get caught up. The other thing is make your life easier and buy the perfect glass towel from us. It's a great glass towel. There's no linting. There's no chance of lint. That is one of those things where we've gotten so cheap 
towel wise, price wise. I mean, everybody sells them. Sam's, Costco, uh, you can name the big companies. Just because they're a big company doesn't mean they're high quality. You a lot of times you have to dig through and figure out what those companies carry that are high quality and what aren't. And the vast majority of them are not high quality. That's how they're so affordable. You also got to figure out what you like to use the best. Yeah, that's a good point. So Brandon sent me, he sent me this video using Hyperlink glass cleaner and he was using, do you ever use those like silky ones that they're a little bit smaller, but they're completely lint free because they're almost like this. Those are great PPF towels, right? Like, because you don't want to get lint under the PPF or you don't want to get, you know, things like that. So those, those are great towels. I haven't had success with those. I find a lot of times they kind of push the stuff around a little bit. Um, that's why hyperglen the, the perfect glass towel is something I do enjoy. I mean, I, I really have never found anything that I liked. I enjoy those towels, right? Because they do pick up things. They do pick up the, the excess moisture. They do finish out well. Those are really important things to think about when you're cleaning glass. Uh, you know, guys have used, I grew up, when, when I first got into business, we used newspaper. Uh, to clean glass. I'm sure you went through that. And there, there were these like cloth baby diapers that some guys used and huck towels and all these different iterations of trying to get lint-free glass. I think we've largely figured it out with hyperglean glass cleaner, as well as the perfect glass towel, make it easy on yourself because glass can be a super frustrating thing. It can. A lot of people struggle with glass. A lot of people do. One guy that definitely didn't struggle, definitely did not struggle at all, Working on a Chevy interior, that was Mr. Mildred. All right, Brian, he goes, oh, you know, I got, I had to go do some interior, I, but didn't struggle at all. Loved Impress, worked Impressed all over. And I go, you know, I took a moment on those Chevys. There's something that's a, that is a truck we don't talk a lot about. And you get some of these older model Chevys that actually have some of the best ASMR. You go, wait, what? Like... Some of the Chevys, you can specifically point out, at least I can, you're a dog walker, I'm a dog walker. There's a little older Chevy that in my neighborhood that the guy's done really well. You could tell it meant something to him. And it's got the chrome. It's one of those that has some chrome yeah. on it. It always looks nice. You could tell he probably waxes it on a regular basis. He's yeah. one of those type of guys. I got the opportunity as I'm walking by one day to hear him turn it on. Right. Oh, yeah, to hear that sound, that Chevy motor, that exhaust, and then to hear that shift of the gears with that ting. Right. Yep. Like Amen. that Chevy ting. That happens yeah. every time. Like I those those trucks are pretty special. Yeah. I mean, and and not a lot of them out there, right? Meaning like in that kind of shape, most of them are beat up. So anytime you see them, it's a great thing, right? You watch a guy that took care of something. It's like, man, I like this truck. I'm gonna keep it. Uh, it's something we're kind of losing in the car world, right? Especially as more cars are electric and and we now all look at cars more as an appliance. Like those things are going to become more rare, maybe not so rare today, but in the next 20 years, people are going to be looking at cars from 2005 and 2010 and saying, man, I wish I'd have kept that truck nice or I wish I'd have kept this car nice, right? And so you just keep going back. You find a 90s Chevy that's in good shape. You're like, wow, that guy really took care of that truck. And, you know, go even further back 80s 70s you know where they didn't do a whole lot of work to it they just kept it the way it was supposed to be i think those are always the most special to me now because anybody can restore a car right it's not that hard to restore something and put a new engine in it put a new interior in it that that shit's easy to do and most of that stuff's kits now 
you can just buy the kits from certain manufacturers. The greatest thing is when you see a guy that took care of something, you're like, man, I think it's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. And that definitely is what makes us, when you can get into that car guy, right? You can get into the person that, there's so many of us this weekend, we're out at car shows. We're out appreciating what other people do when they have a vehicle that they really enjoy. So absolutely. So when I, you know, I I see the truck every once in a while and I'm just like, yeah, like I'm in, I like that. I I like it a lot. It's cool. You know, so we want to move into this discussion that we want to have today is around catching on, right? Like that guy would have eventually caught on that. I need to take care of this. I really need to make sure of it. There's others that have caught on that. Hey, if I want to have some direct one on, you know, one on 10, one on 15 type of discussions and have some great community, then I should go to the HyperClean Specialist Group and every other Wednesday night at 730, I should be at the community pub. Like, yeah, they agree. Those people catch on. And we had one of the best conversations this past week. So the listeners that keep sending us messages and saying, hey, where can I hear the community pub? You can come be a part. Come be a part of it. It's inside of the specialist group. All right. So we wanted, when we're talking about catching on, the first thing that we want to talk about is those who do or do not catch on to innovations, changes, things that go on, things that happen. What, what would, what, let's, let's throw some of those out. First of all, what are we talking about here to catch on to innovations? Yeah. I mean, look, if you're, if you're in a local market to catch on to an innovation would be the growth of something like PPF over the years, the growth of ceramic coating, right? I caught on to ceramic coating in my area pretty close to first, you know, maybe a couple guys, you know, were doing ceramic coating in 2010. Yeah, man, it was hard to build, but I used it on my own stuff. I was working with a manufacturer back then. It was having me test some stuff and I'm like, there's something here. I was catching on to what I was seeing, right? I wasn't believing some internet post or whatever. I was catching on to, okay, this company called me to have me test something for them. And I'll never forget, you know, for those that haven't heard, I was in a dark garage at a house that that I, I was renting while I was in between buying houses. I had a Corvette that I bought for like a 2000 bucks and I was trying to resell it. And I had one of the biggest ceramic coating manufacturers send me some bottles. And I'm like, yeah, I've never used it. Send it to me. Then I had four guys that we had to patch into a call, which back then you didn't have things like Zoom readily available. And so I got four guys trying to all get on the phone. And I got this these two spotlights in my garage with the overhead light that hardly worked. And I'm trying to put a coating on this Corvette, right? And I'm like, you know, wet towel method for anybody that hasn't done that. You know, you remember those days and some people are still in those days, which is wild. But anyway... I knew I was looking at something, right? Even as difficult as it was, I'm like, dude, this is, this is badass. Like there's something here. I, of course I didn't know what it was, but I knew I couldn't look away now. Right. I had to say to myself, Hey, I'd heard some things overseas. The guys have been using it for a while. I'm hearing a lot of claims that guys have been using ceramic coatings for 20 years. Uh, okay. I, I don't know how much, I believe that on, on a real level, but okay. Uh, when you see innovation, the only way you know to take action is you catch on to something, 
right? You catch on that you're looking at something, that you're viewing something. This goes back to chemicals. Why am I using all these dangerous chemicals? If I, if I caught on to modern technology, I should realize that I don't need to use an acidic uh, iron remover. You, you're now being told in episodes on a podcast, you're seeing all the damage around. So part of catching on is just understanding when I see something innovative in front of me, I have to be willing to say, okay, I'm seeing something. Now I got to find out what I can do with that. There you go. And I think there's part of that with catching on that we got to, we got to uh, pause for a second to think about because I could see codings, right? Like let's say I, a listener or somebody that is thinking through something, I could, I could see that I should use an iron decon, but there is a second layer to catching on where I need to actually then go, all right, what's the application like on the ceramic coating? What yeah. is this? All the stuff that they talk about with warranties, right? Like, okay, yeah. if I know that I need to, to learn to, to, to use this new form of iron decontamination instead of a clay bar, then I need to catch on to all the other side issues yeah. that could arrive or, or don't arrive and the correct processes that I should do. That really yeah. kind of becomes the next part of catching on. Yeah. And, and the truth is, this is like one of the most important skills in business today is catching on. You know, we, we talked earlier in the year, maybe a few months ago, about paying attention to what's going on around you. You know, that that's a skill now. It's a very, very, very rare skill. Most people don't pay attention. Now we're talking about the second layer of paying attention, which is after you pay attention and you see something, are you going to catch on to something? Are you going to catch on that this is the next thing? Are you going to catch on that hey, maybe I don't want to be in business with this company because of these reasons, maybe how they act on this platform or how they do their, you know, all they do is talk about warranty. They don't actually talk about their product. Am I going to catch on? So that's the layer that you're talking about, right? Which is, it's not only about catching on, then it's about, okay, how do I catch on to ceramic coatings in 20, late 2009, early 2010, now, how do I monetize it? But how do I build a process that I'm not sanding entire cars when I make a mistake, right? Now I got to catch on on multiple layers. I caught onto the technology. Now I got to learn how to use it. Now I got to put in some work. Now I got to find people to buy it. Now I got to learn how to sell it. Now I got to do all of these things. And a lot of that stuff comes from just paying attention and catching on, right? It doesn't come from somebody giving you a handbook. And that's why you look at these two skills. If you pay attention to something and you're able to catch on to things, and we've all been guilty of not catching on or not paying attention at times. And, and I said this before, I should have been doing PPF 10 years ago. I, I just didn't want to do it. And that was probably just a mistake. I just didn't want to catch on. I just didn't want to do it. And that's okay. That doesn't mean it harmed my business or, you know, irreversible. But we're at, we're at a point now where there's so many aspects of life and business that are just catching on. And so that is a skill that guys need to take very seriously, in my opinion. So there's a big risk there to catching on. Oh, yeah. There is. There's a risk because if some of us would listen to what you just said and go, okay, then the next thing I've got to catch on to, right? Yep. The, the next innovation, but... But hold on here, because if we would have jumped ship and gone to that, you know. <laughs> there we go. Go ahead and say the word. Go ahead and say the word. If we would have jumped and gone to graphene, then 
there's there's massive companies that imploded. They were set to be the dominant force and actually destroyed their business because they switched yeah. to graphene. Yeah. Right. So there's part of catching on that doesn't necessarily mean you do the next thing. No, it actually, it actually means the opposite of that. What it means is you're very good at parsing out what's real and what's not right. Part of catching on is look, you know, this is a very easy story to tell when graphene hit and everybody talked to anybody in the know, and we're talking about major chemical companies here. All you have to do is talk to the chemical company. Your raw material supplier will tell you everything. So when every major raw material supplier is saying, hey, this isn't possible yet, that doesn't mean, and so everybody, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. In 2023, when we're having this discussion, late 2023, every chemical, manu every ke raw material manufacturer was telling you this isn't real. All you had to do was catch on and to know the right people to talk to, which every chemical company should know who are the ones in the know. Turns out there were several that didn't. And there are several that are keep playing the game, so much so that they had to go back to their version one of the coding to sell to their people because they hated the graphene stuff. And so part of catching on is also being able to parse out, hey, this doesn't add up, right? That's what holds a lot of guys back, especially with the emergence of TikTok. I think we've seen that people have a very hard time understanding what's real and what's fake on the internet. And that is a part of catching on. That doesn't mean you're, you're cynical or hateful about what somebody's doing on the internet. It just means you're able to dig through the information and go, eh, this just doesn't add up. As well as, okay, this does add up to me. I think I can do X, Y, and Z with it. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, a two-page book, so to speak. Is catching on to the right things and not catching on to the wrong things. And, and that's, that's a delicate balance. All right. So you mentioned something inside of that where I want to come back to. Because you mentioned that we talk to some people. In order to talk to people, you have to have what? A relationship. And here ultimately is, is one of the next things that People need to understand about catching on. It requires relationships. Now, these relationships could take you in a positive direction or they could take you in a negative direction where oh, yeah. if you understood how you need to catch on, then you should be able to see these negative things and you should understand the negatives that happen in a relationship. Yeah. And people need to, uh, we try to say this all the time, you know, most of the time it's not what you know, it's who you know. And mm -hmm. so what, if you take that away, what does that mean? Who you've built relationships with? Like there's guys that don't take very seriously building relationships in their business. We've probably harped on that a lot this year. And all the shops we're hearing are having trouble, mobile guys having trouble. Guess what? They're not relationship people because relationships don't just go away in the air. Right. If you truly have built relationships with your customers, your vendors, uh, you know, experts in your industry, whatever it may be, those relationships don't magically just go away because the economy got a little bit slow. Right. But you can look at all these businesses that are struggling and they don't value building a relationship. So they haven't caught on as an adult what is actually important in business. And that is creating a relationship. Customer, vendor, uh, 
experts in the industry, how to carry yourself, how to dress, how to look professional, how to speak professionally. Okay, so the negatives. What are some of the negatives that we see happen when people don't understand that they're, they actually should be having a relationship? They're not catching on because they're showing a lot of negative signs that would not want yeah. a company to do a relationship with them. I mean, look, I think the number one thing we can say is the internet. You know, you look at some people's Facebook pages, you look at their Instagram accounts, you look at their TikTok. I just don't think people have caught on that people may not be judging you every day, like looking at your posts and, and whatever. I think what we hear behind the scenes of owners of huge companies that we know very well and people we respect behind the scenes in the industry is, oh, yeah, that guy is a nice guy, but he acts crazy on the Internet. And you just kind of like you're on the phone with this person. And you're like, yeah. And it's like just a known thing. Like, yeah, we're, we're not going to really do business with him, but I don't I don't dislike the guy. I, I mean, we probably hear that more than anything. It's like, hey, yeah, when I when I see the guy at a show or when I talk to him, like I like him, but I'm not going to be in business with him. And by the way, this is these are big companies saying these about saying those kind of things about people that could really benefit from being in business with that company. We've seen some people just taken off of, you know, uh, distribution websites that we know they were making the majority of their money from because of how they acted on the Internet. Like if you haven't caught on to the reality of the Internet is people aren't like going out of their way to judge you, but you get a reputation if all you do is spend time on Facebook, you know, making these posts and going on rants or, you know, doing this or doing that. It's all good, man. That's your Facebook. But everybody behind the scenes that matters knows what you're doing. And when they talk to each other, like, yeah, that guy's, he's just not going to be a part of it. Like we can't have him around because of how he acts on the internet. Huh? The definitely what we put out on the internet and I, people that are constantly asking about Sparta, that is one thing that we tell them we've, we've shared it publicly on this, these episodes, but there's no doubt that we're going to look at people's social media to see what they put out because yep. we want to know if we want to be in business with them. We also look at a couple different things, not just that, right? Like there's a couple different things that we'll look at inside the Sparta program, but overall in business relationships, I, I'm going to go with also how people talk on the phone, right? Like yeah, that's a good one. we've had some discussions and I, I've had discussions where people will call and they'll just be like, wait, uh, say again, who did I call? Uh, what company are you? Like they almost are confused because they're just trying to run through as many as they can. <laughs> the yeah. value of having a relationship and not catching on to just having a conversation with somebody, just being able to communicate with them without throwing all these random things that go on. Hmm. Like, yeah, the, pho the phone is the phone is a wild thing, man. The it, the many customers that choose us to do business, you know, choose to do business with us. A lot of times it's based on we know how to have a conversation on the phone. Right. It's not that we're the smartest people in the world. It's just like we know how to ask them questions. We know how to uh, develop a relationship very quickly over the phone. We know how to, uh, you know, get to the bottom of what they need help with. It's just being professional on the phone. And we hear this all the time. And I think, you know, this 
that a lot of companies, especially in the distribution world, are starting to use us. And, and there's a lot of deals that we're involved in, you and I, that people never hear about. HyperClean isn't just what you guys see on the Facebook group and detailers. We do a lot of deals behind the scenes that that are maybe in other industries or or uh, for other companies that that aren't really public. And I always tell people this. The only reason we get to stay in those rooms is how we talk, how we speak, how we how we're able to interact with those human beings. It's it's not anything like you and I were born with or we invented and we got some secret. It's like, no, man, we just know how to act on the phone and answer a question properly and ask them questions and get to the bottom of things. And again, think about where we're at in the world. If you can pay attention and you can catch on on how to act and how to carry yourself, you can be a millionaire. Hmm. You can be a millionaire off those two skills right there. Because if you catch on, you know how to act, you know how to carry yourself, you know how to speak to people, you know how to, to, to create business relationships. There's nothing holding you back. You'll pick up the skills you need. You'll pick up, you'll pick up how to polish a car. Like that stuff is, is, is very easily learned. What's not learned is paying attention and catching on to how things work. And we see this all the time with guys that we know run great detailing businesses by all accounts. And companies actively ask and, and tell themselves they don't want to be in business with those human beings because of the way they post on Facebook. I mean, that, that's a regular thing you and I hear. And if guys think that we're joking, it's not a joke. I mean, there's guys that we genuinely feel bad for in this industry because it's like, man, that guy's 42 years old, has built something great, and people don't want to be in business with him. Like, that, that's, just, that's just a bad place to be, and it, it's completely unnecessary, all based on how he acts on social media. So there's there's some flip of the coin here, right? There's there's it can't be just that black and white, can it? Because you and I are actually known for being a little bit progressive in our talk. You're right. Behind closed doors, behind meetings, inside of these, professionalism is different than podcasting. Very. Very different. Very. And and we do watch what we say. Sometimes I've said jokes that I shouldn't have said, right? And sometimes yeah, we I always, was, We always make mistakes. I yeah. mean, we get off every episode, well, I wish I'd have said this a little different. I mean, we're human. You're right. And that's why, you know, we want to bring up that flip of the coin because what does, what does speaking publicly and then speaking privately look like? What, is, what does that look like in building relationships? Because we like to give each other hard times. But yeah. then sometimes there's been people that give other people hard times and you're like, whoa, man, that's a little bit overboard. That yeah, yeah. That's not a professional thing to say to somebody else that you want to be in community with, right? Like yeah. there are lines that have to be drawn in the way that you say things to people. Yeah, and I think people would be surprised to hear this. I mean, there's a lot of things we've drawn the line on that we know about in this industry that we just don't talk about on here we can't, you know, it involves individuals. It involves people respected in the industry at times. It, it, it involves a lot of that. And so you have to do your best to catch on to what's right to say publicly and what isn't, and you're going to make mistakes and you're, but you can't have a hundred mistakes, right? I mean, a, a couple mistakes, that's going to happen. Everybody and, expects us. And that's sort of the catch on, right? That's sort of the part of what we, we ultimately want to say is that's ultimately what, catch on means you can yeah 
And, and by the way, what's the value of it? So here's what we caught on to. There are some things that need to be talked about in this industry. We're very, you know, we've talked about them in the past, especially you and I very early on in podcasting with one another. There were things we were really frustrated with uh, that were going on in the industry. We had to catch on that, you know what, this stuff's kind of, I hate to say it this way, it's just kind of beneath us. We don't need to do this anymore. We've said our piece. We don't need to say it again. And we largely haven't. It may come out in a little sentence here and there or whatever. And again, we're not perfect. And that's the part of catching on. you got to realize you're not going to be perfect at any of this, but you've got to be willing to say, I can't do that anymore. Like we know guys that have been told directly by us or other companies, but usually we hear this from other companies, where those companies have said to an individual, you need to stop doing this on social media. And they just legitimately don't stop. Like they just say, well, it's my social media. It's like, no, man, you can't be in business with us if you keep doing this. Guys have burnt good business relationships because their whole stance is, I can say whatever I want on my social media. Well, no, you can't. You can if you don't mind what it costs you. Right? There's the catching on. There's what so many guys don't want to hear is that, yeah, man, that is your social media page and you can do whatever you want. This is America. You can do whatever you want. But the guy on the other side can also say, you're not allowed to be in business with me. That's the flip of the coin. And we have certainly had those conversations more than we thought we ever would. I never thought social media would be this. I never thought people would be losing massive business opportunity or, or anything like that. I, I didn't really see that coming, to be honest. I just knew that I didn't have to put my thoughts all over my social media. And that's the only, that's all the deeper I looked at it. And so just by nature, I didn't do those things. You know, and the other part that we want to flip that coin and continue to flip the coin, and it might go too far with flipping, but then also just the proper style of communication. Like actually, whether if you're writing it, actually use commas. This was hard for me as I have to transition away from texting as much where you you use abbreviations. You don't. <laughs> Marty used to send me emails and I'd be like, dude, what does this say? And by the way, we were. Uh, like it's said, absolutely it's right. That's why thing. I brought It's exactly why I wanted to bring it up is, is I had to catch on. Now this becomes part of that moment of when you see something that you know you're supposed to do. And if you do or don't do it, that can define the next trans, you know, the, the journey in a sense, right? Like there's 100%, 100%. If you can write an email properly, which we've talked about with Dale, right? Dale, hopefully. Yeah, Dale brought up a great idea. Yeah. Right. Use like, the software to your advantage. Anything you can do if you're not so skill setted in proper communication, punctuation, writing a sentence because you're used to just doing everything with the text. That's yeah. I, I get texts from people. I get conversation with people and I have some understanding, sir. I'm, I'm okay. But you, there's, you definitely need to catch on that. If you're going to go to an elite level, you do need to be careful. Also, not just social media, how you communicate just, via words well, and sentences I'll, I'll, and grammar. I'll, yeah, that's a great thing. And you know where else you have to catch on on that? And I, I had to catch on. Very important people don't text in text language, right? So the way you text your buddies, 
the way you text your girl, your wife, your, your family, you get a guy that's a high net worth individual. He doesn't text like that on his phone. He may do that to his family, but he's not going to do that with you. Do you, do you still, uh, when, if you text a customer, I still associate hi, Mr. So-and-so. Hi, Mrs. So-and-so. I yep. still don't really even call my customers by their first name at all. Yeah, so probably my wealthiest client. They're, they're very, very wealthy. I actually had the only time I started calling them by their first name was uh, the wife literally said, if you call me Mrs. again, I'm going to fire you because I'm not old. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on the customer right? For me now, have they actually corrected me and saying, Hey, you know, my, my name is X, Y, and Z. If they haven't corrected me, I do call them Mr. Or Mrs. Or Miss or whatever. I mean, I, I just, I'm in the habit of that. I like that formality because it shows that I'm showing some level of respect. Uh, but a lot of people will correct you and just say, Hey, my name's Jim. You don't have to call me Mr. Smith. Right. And a lot of guys do that. And it doesn't matter how wealthy that a lot of people just don't want to be called Mr. Or Mrs. Consistently after they know you. Um, but all this stuff is, you know, guys think this stuff is minor, but it really is what sets you apart in all this because people see you're trying to create a relationship with them. And we see this so often behind the scenes at HyperClean. It's very, very instantaneous when I know somebody is, is trying to talk to me to build a relationship or somebody's just trying to get information out of me. That's two totally different things, right? And if you get found out that you're just trying to take, take, take from a conversation and you're not trying to build a relationship, Almost across the board, every high-value person is going to be like, I don't want any part of this. And that can happen within seconds. It doesn't take 10 minutes. I mean, you and I had two, two or three phone calls today that we, before we got on here, we talked about, and it's like, this guy did it right, these three didn't, and these three just left a bad taste in your mouth because you knew it wasn't on the level it needed to be. And so you got to rise to the level that you want to get to, not the level you are at the moment. And so how you dress, how you email, how you talk, how you handle phone calls, how you handle opportunity phone calls, because a lot of my opportunity didn't come from somebody just hiring me the first day they met. It was a back and forth. Well, just imagine if I had five phone conversations and one of those five was unprofessional, I would have never got the opportunity, right? The opportunity would have been lost. And I think that's what we see a lot in, in today's world is guys don't understand it. A lot of opportunities lost off text message, email, phone calls. And then on top of it, your social media and the silliness that goes on there. If you just don't act silly or don't post at all, you're ahead of the game, bud. It's that simple. You're ahead of the game. And why not just put yourself ahead of the game, right? Yeah. That's what catching on does. It puts you ahead of the game. And you're exactly right. Don't go catch on and try to find the next big thing. Catch on to real things. Understand how to pick apart what's real and what's not. You know what's always going to work? Acting professionally, responding professionally, speaking professionally. All that stuff is never going to go out of style. I got news for you. Never going to go out of style. Acting professionally on social media. Never going to go out of style. So you pretty much have the answer for the next 50 years. It's never going to go out of style. All right, lot to unpack there. Great episode. For those that do catch on to understanding what they need to catch on, well, they'll become the elite. That is yep. always in the journey. Who catches on? Who makes the decision? Who changes? 
who increases their relationships. Great episode. All right, brother. We'll talk to you guys next week.